Hi, friends. Another week, and here we are. Not much happening in Podland, but I, of course, do want to thank our patrons on Patreon, Hallie Oswa, Krista Umberfirth, Hannah Grierson, Alyssa Matthews, Grace Kent, Chandler Parrott-Thomas, and Dante Tapo. If you want to be like these amazing folks and help support the pod, head over to patreon.com slash thattoitforyapod. Every month, we pick a different BIPOC-led organization and donate a portion of our proceeds, so be sure to check it out. This month, we donated to Liberation Library, an organization that works to supply books and other resources to incarcerated youth. If you have an organization you care about, be sure to let us know either on Instagram or Twitter at that do it for you. Before we jump into the episode, a quick heads up about the audio. I recently moved into my parents' barn, and in order to get decent enough Wi Fi to conduct interviews, I have to sit on the porch. You may hear breezes, construction, dogs, bugs, or a myriad of other outside noises. There's nothing I can do about this, and I am not going to apologize. What I will apologize for, though, is that our lovely guest Savannah Padilla tells a story in the episode about a person named Martina, uh, who then I call Martine twice. Martina, wherever you are, I am so sorry. I think that's all I have to say for now. So without further ado, episode 15, Brandy's Bippity Boppities with Savannah Padilla and Chandler Parrott Thomas. Do you want to rub on Simba's tummy or think that Spider-Man looks extra yummy? The pain of childhood is super funny on Did That Do It For Ya with Aurelia Grierson. Hello and welcome to That Do It For You podcast. I am here with the amazing Savannah Padilla. Savannah, how are you? Hey! I'm also here with Chandler Parrott Thomas. <laughs> yeah, she's in my room. <laughs> Chandler and Savannah are hanging out. So I get the, the pleasure of interviewing both of them. Yeah. You're doing good, Savannah? You feeling good? I'm feeling amazing. Oh, yeah. My. God. Yeah, where are you at? We're over here in the good old San Diego. The whale's vagina. The whale's vagina. <laughs> awesome. What do you what do you do in San Diego? You know, we've just been doing the the good old San Diego thing to do, which is go to the beach all the time and eat fish tacos. Mm. You know? Mm. Amazing. But also some beautiful hikes and just spending a lot of time in my room because I'm a little anxious and depressed. So. Yeah. <laughs> we are in the middle of a pandemic. So that yeah. is natural, baby. But you go to school in San Diego normally, yes? I do, yes. I am in the MFA acting program at UCSB. <gasps> so fancy, so talented. Chandler's twerking. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting is an oral medium, so you cannot see that Chandler is shaking her ass for the camera <laughs> in celebration of Savannah's success. Oh my God, the best. Savannah, how do we know each other? Oh, we know each other from Southern Oregon University. And I think the first time I ever met you was at auditions for Secret Garden. (laughs) (laughs) And then we were both cast in it and that was quite a ride, yeah. I, yes, I remember you from auditions. You were nice to me, one of the few. I realized like after listening back to a few episodes that like, me asking this question is basically just asking people their first impression of me, which is something I've always wanted to know. So it's like a little <laughs> self, it's a little self-serving of me. And like, I don't know if I should like continue to include it. Oh my but... God, no. <laughs> you were like this, you were like this gorgeous, like tall, like powerful being in the room. And I was like, wow, they are so confident. <sighs> I did not feel that way. Yeah. But you do it in a silly way, and it's just fun. Oh, 
Thanks. It's just a fun vibe. I mean, <laughs> I told I told Chandler this, but like you were very much also a person who, when I met at Callbacks, I was like so y'all were just so funny and like you were just like living your life out loud, and I was so like oh my gosh, I want to be friends with these people so bad, but I would like didn't know anyone, but y'all were really nice to me, which I appreciated. Um, and then yeah, Secret Garden, we would hang out backstage and uh, insert like dick and ass jokes into all the lyrics just yeah do you oh remember that God, I totally forgot about that it's how we it's how we managed to get through that experience you're right you're right and and also just making just well uh, trying to make a look well you can't really light of how fucking racist that show was. oh we're gonna we're gonna break it all down <laughs> in this in this moment of reckoning for our industry this long overdue moment of reckoning for our industry i really am looking forward to getting to talk with the powers that be mm. this will be this will be posted probably after all of that so maybe i'll have to edit this out but i edit uh, out a lot of shit talking anyway but um, <laughs> that's well, true you know what it's true. It was racist as hell. It was racist as hell. They had me wear a bindi. <laughs> you were in a bindi and a sari. You and Carlos like didn't speak and then they made you stand in the background while all of the white kids did the quote unquote like Bollywood dance choreography. Mm -hmm. And we weren't allowed to be in the waltz scene. No, no, because that's a white people dance, Savannah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot about those parts. Ugh, just so racist. So racist. <laughs> Hopefully never again. We got to make the world a better place for those who yeah. come after. I mean, it, there, can, there continued to be fuckery after y'all left. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. In that department? Oof, and there continues to be fuckery to this day. I do not doubt that. Mm-mm. Drama. But yes, but we met and then we did Horse Girls together, which was amazing. We also did Ui. Oh my god, I also kind of blocked Ui out. There was a lot of you're the musical director. I was a musical director, I was but honestly, being in a band with you was one of the highlights of my life. Oh, that part was amazing. Like getting yeah. to like, like make music, like jazz, like sexy jazz music. <gasps> Your character was amazing and your voice was amazing and getting to like work with your voice on that like music was really amazing. Mm -hmm. And like truly the highlight of any part of my day was like coming together with the band and just being like, I'm underqualified for this job, but you're all here and it's amazing and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how we work, you know. That's how it does. That's how that's how we that's how we roll when we're trying to get into a, a BFA program. You just say yes to whatever's thrown at you. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. It's awful. Just yeah. And Horse Girls was still the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much fun. It was so good. And just the look on fucking, I'm going to have to edit this out, but the look on his <laughs> face, I'll, uh, I can go to my grave, like happy. <laughs> so Savannah, when you told me what you wanted to talk about today, yeah. I was so excited because this is one of my favorite movies and experiences what are we talking about today we're talking about brandy cinderella incredible this movie is like revolutionary yeah truly it was like produced by whitney houston 
and it's colorful. We were talking about earlier, we were watching clips of it, Dan and I, we were just, it's like all jewel tones. Mm -hmm. It's sparkly and swirly and beautiful. just gorgeous. I love the ballroom scene has all those different dresses and Mm -hmm. just the beautiful array of colors and oh, and I love that they saw an invitation that said, wear jewel tones please <laughs> yeah <laughs> please wear jewel tones yeah, obviously obviously they did <laughs> everyone has to color coordinate it is like truly a visual feast oh shit who directed it now i have to it, i know whitney houston produced it which is ugh, you, it's mm, this is what happens when you allow black people to take control of the narrative right you get there we go and the fact that something that always just tickled my fancy I think, yes <laughs> Was that Whoopi Goldberg? <laughs> and that, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg and that white ass king. I don't remember his name. Oh, Gene Hackman. Is that his name? Oh, I know. I, I had so. <laughs> they made the most gorgeous <gasps> Filipino prince. <laughs> I know. They're beautiful Asian American baby. Yeah. Thank you. The King, Victor Garber, that's who it is. Um, the director was Robert Ice Cove, and it came out in 1997, that prince. So oh, did you watch Did you watch the scene where him and Cinderella meet in the marketplace? Yes, mm-hmm. in the very beginning. And she trips, and oh my God, her, oh, oh, her boxes get like trampled by the horses that are there. Yes. And it almost hit her. Yeah, and he, he like, he like takes her hand and helps her off and they, yeah they're both of their voices I think is part of like it that movie is just so sensual yes like, it did make me feel a lot of sexy feelings because of, oh my god they have such chemistry yes the passion on set but but more than like the sexiness it was just like very very sensual like the, the visual and like you could like smell the like yeah. fruits and like breads and meats that they would like <laughs> they were all fake but you know they were like whipping that, whipping shit that cake around <laughs> like a like a link of sausages like, <laughs> dancer, like whipping like <laughs> link like sausage links of sausage sausage. Yeah. what sausages <laughs> what sausages <laughs> <laughs> it was Paolo Montalban oh am I pronouncing that right yes Oh, was the prince you're right though I think everything about that movie from the way that it sounds looks smells even is like such a sensory delight but you just like fall into this world and like you don't have to question anything like Mm -hmm. it's just it's love baby it all just it all just makes sense there's really no rule and Bernadette Peters as a stepmom is uh, iconic the fact that her aesthetic is peacock mm-hmm. is just glorious to me it's and so delicious good. yes mm. i always um even in like cinderella knockoff stories like ever after or uh mm-hmm. ella enchanted yeah oh we can talk about that or um, cinderella story with hillary, hillary oh. <laughs> Just I like every, but like the point I was trying to make that's like not so flattering to myself is that I always relate to 
the stepsister. <laughs> Calliope. Calliope, that one. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. We love Calliope. I know. I don't think, I feel like the stepsisters, as like shitty as they are, are like, I feel like the real villain in the story is the stepmother. 100%. 100%. They're brainwashed. Yeah. They're like, as much as they're, I mean, it's like, they have like a stage mom mom like it wasn't cinderella 2 kind of about this where like the stepsister was like oh like i actually like didn't want to marry the prince and like i'm trying to be on my own and then she like in the disney animated one yeah yeah back when disney was like doing those sequels for some reason okay but lion king 2 was oh we, I don't know if you listened to the episode with Devin, but <laughs> not yet, actually. Uh, we, Lion King 2 is hands down the horniest Disney movie. Yeah. I guess besides George of the Jungle, but like the horniest animated Disney movie was Lion King 2. There's I, so much heavy breathing. I don't think I've watched the Lion King 2 enough. It has the best music. It does. Deception. Deception. I don't even know if I've ever seen it. Oh, Savannah. <laughs> Cinderella. Um, sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. The sparkle speak, speak, speak. on her bodice, though. <gasps> okay. The sparkle in Whitney's hair. The, they spray her hair with glitter. Jesus. And her her little, her, her icy, her icy blue silver ball gown that is off the shoulder and it has like little scallops and it just it scallops that's the word and it's just subtly sparkly but every single time she moves just one little like milli- millimeter millimeter <laughs> one little millimeter <laughs> just like sparkles in a new different way oh yes and I think I mean again like returning to like the sensory delight of it all what is like the fairy tale of having this like beautiful like multiracial cast and this beautiful like sparkling gorgeous world like it feels like so important yeah it (laughs) is really the thing that I think got me into theater and like Mm -hmm. helped me believe that like I could do anything. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. Like, I think kids watch that and it's never like a question of like her deserving love. Like, it's always like right at the forefront. Like, Cinderella deserve as a the hot, handsome, beautiful prince. But it's not even just that. It's that they're like connect intellectually. Like, the scene where they meet in the marketplace. My jaw was on the floor rewatching this just like every time he was on screen. <laughs> What was the last? What was the last time do you think that you watched you watched it? Oh gosh, I remember watching it like a couple years ago when I moved back home because I was like I really like I was sad I moved back home from Ireland because like I got deported and I and I was really sad and I was like I just really need some magic in my life I like found it on YouTube and it was like I'm having a hard time articulating (laughs) like how it like makes me feel it's joyful and like indulgent and romantic it's very indulgent yeah so like the sparkles just do something to you I one of my favorite (laughs) scenes is when he's going around with the glass slipper and he's trying to find somebody to fit it and they don't show a lot of the people's faces, but it's just this amazing sequence of 
all of these different colored and patterned like stockings. Mm-hmm. The colorful oh, socks. Yeah. And I was like, I like that. <laughs> like the socks. We like the stockings. I think something that struck me this time about watching the movie is that the movie really doesn't shy away from alluding to a physical relationship between the characters. Oh. It's not chaste. Just watching it, I totally, because mm-hmm. I haven't watched it in a few years either, and I was like, holy macaroni, like they are so sensual was a they're correct, very they're connected. connected and it's like even like the lightest kiss was filled with so much well, it was the first time that I had seen like black love mm-hmm. like brown and black love on screen and it wasn't just it didn't feel superficial like as a child mm-hmm. like I think the first time I saw this movie was probably I was probably like four four mm-hmm. or five mm-hmm. and we would, oh my God, I was telling Candler about this. Oh my God, tell me everything. <laughs> um, we used to play, so there was this girl, Martina, and she would play the prince character in preschool. And there was this little playhouse on the, in the side yard of the preschool. And we would go in there and pretend that it was the ballroom. And Martina always played the prince because she knew the prince part in the song. <laughs> and we would reenact the ballroom scene. And we all of us um, would take turns being Brandy. And Martina would always sing the prince part. And, and whoever else was the princess would sing the Brandy part. And I remember Martina really just hitting something inside of me and we used to make out in a wheelbarrow in like (laughs) playground behind this bush and it was really now that I think back on it it really had everything to do with Brandy Cinderella well yeah I have to ask Martina is is she gay now do we know this I have no idea where Martina is Martina if you're listening please hit me up (laughs) (laughs) I mean that's like that's an incredible story. I don't like I'm just I'm thinking about Martina now. Ugh, I'm so sorry. People will not stop talking to me and I don't know how to turn that off. So popular. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, I'm just trying to coordinate like a 20 person cast of a drinking game. The thing that it unlocks is like because I think that there's like this kind of power dynamic at play in this relationship of that neither of these people, because like you'd think that with Cinderella and the prince, there is a huge power dynamic and there is, but like the prince like wants to marry for love. And he talks about how he like doesn't get to live the life he wants because mm-hmm. he wants to be free to make his own choices. He wants to be the master of his own destiny. And Cinderella wants the exact same thing. And so like these two kindred spirits like coming together and like- They are kindred spirits. And like you said, they do connect on an intellectual level. Like I think the first step was definitely sexual. Like when they first saw each mm-hmm. other. Oh, I mean, they're both beautiful. Like, how could you not? Like how could they not have on? that like passion yeah and connection they're They're both like extremely talented yeah and both gorgeous so beautiful so beautiful his deep rust yeah it was like a rusty red and his chest is like glistening and he has perfect teeth His jaw opens just enough to let the sound out. <laughs> He's trained. He's 
very he's very well trained what was I talking about but I'm talking I'm thinking like specifically about Martine and like if she's like out here trying to be like I'm gonna get all these girls (laughs) to dance with me and make out with me in wheelbarrows it's like living a life like Martine like living this life that isn't your own there are such queer undertones to that oh definitely like dressing up to like experience this life of 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 love and 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 passion there's like a trans undertone to to cinderella oh shit Mm. oh yeah yeah i'm sure martina is living their best life right now i I don't know she could be i don't um i hope that she listens (laughs) to this and is like i'm living my best life right now (laughs) <laughs> truly we want that but I remember I remember watching the scene uh, at the ball before they start singing about how they're trying to figure out if they are just wanting to fuck or if they really like each other or if it's like yes. the song where it's like do I like the idea of you or do I like you right and then they decide that they like each other for real which is accurate right. I remember like watching it with my mom and they were just like so like they're like nuzzling and touching and I just I don't think Disney would ever today I think that Disney wouldn't allow such erotic nuzzling on their platform you don't think yeah well what do you what do you mean like now versus because this is Disney I know but like I'm like when I watch like some of the things like back from our childhood like when I watch like George of the Jungle or uh, Lion King 2 I think like there's like a permission to be to live in the to live in the erotic in a way that like full disclosure like when i watch descendants now like those characters are not like getting cozy or like acknowledging that they have bodies or sensual needs in any way and it feels like disney has like veered in a direction a that isn't looser. honest they yeah. were definitely looser when we were younger and somehow things got a little more conservative and like, no, that's exactly what happened. Things got more conservative and they were like, we have to uphold these like pure ideals Not and like disregard sex or like physical attraction. Yeah. So dangerous. Cause that's just unrealistic. Teenagers, yeah. Your body's going through so many changes and all these hormones and like, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're all just like deep in thought now. Like, oh, yeah. Fuck mm. that. Oh, a little deconstruction in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny. George of the Jungle came out the same year as this, and just like thinking about the sensuality present in these movies in the late nineties. They're all fucking oiled up. So- <laughs> Why are they so oily? <laughs> skin she's is listening. she's, she's glowing. glowing. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's an interesting point too to be made that it's very much the prince is so like what women want like women who are attracted to men like he she, he just the prince like fits this gorgeous like fantasy of someone sensitive and someone kind and someone who like wants to know you for your mind but also finds you fine as hell and like is gonna search the kingdom for you and like the fan like fairy tales are so much about that fantasy and about I mean like when we think about the actual like fairy tale of origin I think there's like a morality tale sort of in there that I'm not interested in in Cinderella you mean yeah mm-hmm. I mean like the tradition in the traditional like Grimm's fairy tale one like the sisters like there's like body mutilation and like the sisters like cut off their toes and mm-hmm. it's and like because Cinderella is like so pure and good then she deserves the prince I guess but the thing is like 
I do feel like in a lot of ways, this was like a reclaiming of the story. Mm-hmm. Like oh, Whitney was sure. like, because this was a Rodgers and Hammerstein yeah. musical too. And Whitney Houston like was just like, I don't know why this all has to be white. Like, let's just do it this way. Yeah. And let's go. Yeah. This is like clearly a labor of love. And like, even in the music itself, like it is Rodgers and Hammerstein, but it's like contemporized and like pop music up and like- Some sexy bass lines in there. Sexy bass lines. Like I was like listening to my own little corner and I'm just like feeling the groove. I'm like, oh my God. Like they managed to make in my own little corner, like a much more fun song that's like mm-hmm. not shitty. And <laughs> oh my God, something else that also made me uncomfortable watching with my parents and like perhaps like made my giant <laughs> tingle. Um, <laughs> was when Bernadette Peters was flirting with Jason Alexander trying to like get him to like get tickle him with a feather yeah she tickles him with a feather and she like (laughs) (laughs) she's like ah and she's like very like very much like very blatantly just like using her sexuality to try to get what she wants and just her being like, oh, like, and she's burned at Peter, so it's all like, she's like, sounds like this. And she's like, oh, you're so handsome in your, your head full of skin. And she like, touches no! her and she, yeah, she puts her hand on his bald head. <laughs> he's not having it. He's not having it at all. No, he said, no touching, please. Good boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boundaries, Jason Alexander. But just like the acknowledgement of sexuality in this world, which can be feel so divorced from Disney sanitized fairy tales, is so refreshing. And I think it's exactly like what you said. It is a reclamation. Yes. Yes. I think yes. There you're just talking about sexuality and it, it being okay. And I <laughs> that so much in the subtle cleavage that presents itself in this movie Mm. there's so much cleavage and I as I was re-watching it I was like before I started re-watching it actually I was like remembering I was having images of like Brandy's plump breasts (laughs) in that little like corset in that tiny little corset and I remember so much bigger than they actually are but mm-hmm. you know what it there's they don't hide away from they don't no. shy no. like, like they are they're That's just like these are beautiful fine. and let me just put a bunch of diamonds on them yeah this movie has breasts like it has cleavage the men have cleavage the girls have cleavage like there's just boobies everywhere and it's not a shameful thing it's a beautiful thing Gorgeous. Gorgeous titties. Another thing that struck me watching it again, and like, again, like the fucking incredible power of this movie, and like Whitney knew what the fuck she was doing, is that like Cinderella is in box braids, and like she has like that hairstyle through the whole movie, and then then they talk about it. They like fully explicitly name it. They're like, you're you're like, I, I don't remember if the prince says it. Or the godmother says it, and she's like, and like, and you have like your beautiful braids, and I was just like, yes, please, thank you. I remember that? Oh my god, that's gorgeous. I mean, I'm not surprised. Her hair is. I love it in the ballroom scene when they like put it up and they curl them. Mm-hmm. it's so good amazing oh, it was just like to to see her like come out in the ball in that, and then like be told later in the movie, like this is beautiful. What a game changer, man. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Only we had kept going in that direction. Ugh, I know. I feel like we were reaching towards something that just Honestly, 
Yeah, R.I.P. Whitney. Like, R.I.P. Whitney. You are a real jewel to this earth. That wasn't too long ago that she died. It was in the early mm-hmm. 2000s, I think. Yeah. Was it before or after Michael? After. Was wait. It? Was it? No, 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 wait. Uh, you know. We have a Google. <laughs> um, I was like, I don't know we'll anything. Google. We have tiny computers that we carry with us at all times to look up information whenever we want it. <laughs> and it rots my brain and it makes me have smooth, smooth, smooth cerebellum. Smooth koala brain. Yeah. Smooth koala brain. <laughs> I, res- I have... ADHD, which I didn't know until this year. And you just found that out during like quarantine? Yeah. (laughs) It's been um, great because a lot of the things that I like would beat myself up for and be like, I'm a terrible human being. I can't function and it's my fault and I just need to work harder and be better. It's nice to know that that's actually not true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Are you like, does it like affect your your um, relationship to technology? Yes. Yeah. I used to think that I was like addicted to Twitter and that was like a personal problem. And that is to an extent. But what learning about ADHD is that my brain like craves stimulus and reward. And what Twitter is, is this constant feed of stimulus and reward. Like it's designed to make an ADHD brain just like get like so sucked in. Uh oh, are you thinking about your life? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that makes sense though. And that's why I have trouble not being on my phone too, is because if I'm watching something and all my attention has to go onto a screen and I'm like, not enough's happening, not enough's happening, right? I have to be on my phone too. I get bored so easily. Mm-hmm. This is something to think about. I think more people have it than they realize, especially women and people of color, because we are taught and told that ADHD looks one way. It is a hyperactive white boy in the classroom screaming and kicking. Right. And that's what that looks like. But that's not, that's, that's like, that is certainly like an aspect of it. But in particularly in women, it shows up in different ways. And because of different societal expectations and code switching and all these things, people who have to hide it better do. And it manif- then, then that manifests itself in anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So you're frequently misdiagnosed because that seems like the main problem. But then reality, the problem is an understimulated brain that can't focus. Like I can't, I have a really hard time making eye contact. I have sensory overload or like I can't pay attention to a movie all the way through. I fidget like crazy. I can't keep my space clean. (laughs) Does all of this sound familiar? It does. And my mom has, my mom has talked about it for years about Mm. herself. Mm. But I I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I'm going to send you some resources that helped me figure it out. Yeah. Quarantine is like, you can you can just see everything everything is so amplified in yourself yeah i feel like this whole thing is illuminating all of the ways in which our society like makes it impossible to be a person mm-hmm. the ways in which our education system doesn't teach us how to grow our own food or how to be a self-sustaining human being and how to like cherish and take care of our earth but it could like how different things would have been if we shifted our focus from being an individualist society to a collectivist one my god community is so important especially right now that we're all isolated and alone 
Yeah. I'm so grateful for all my friends. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do like art with you. You are an incredible artist and I always want to work with you. (laughs) I always want to work with you too. Oh my gosh. We're actually getting close to the end, to the end of having to to wrap up <laughs> really quick question i'm starting to incorporate this into the episodes i do did your parents ever have the talk with you <laughs> yes officially yes my mother did tell me about it but this is some northern california humble oh. county bullshit right here mm-hmm. <laughs> i learned about penis vagina sex from the we were eating crab and, <laughs> And my cousin took one of the crabs and looked at the underbelly of it and asked my dad, hey, is this female or male? And he said, okay, male. And then she took the other one and she's like, okay, so then this goes here. And she like put the crabs together and like they have these flaps and she like put the flaps into each other. Uh And I was like, I was, I was very young. I was probably like six. I was like, oh. Oh my god, I know what that is. I know exactly how it works now. <laughs> That's it. Amazing. Wow. Amazing. And then my mom told me, like, she, she used the puzzle metaphor. And I was like, oh, perfect. I already knew that. <laughs> From the crabs, mom. The crabs. Did she like did she like sit you down or was it like, did you go to her? She definitely sat me down. She made like a a, a little moment of it. <laughs> That's nice. but I remember when my brother had the talk he was way too young my dad told him when he was like I don't know actually if there's too young of an age but he was he was fairly young and he burst into tears (laughs) he had a meltdown how how old was he he was he was small I mean, I think he was probably closer to like seven or eight. Yeah. I mean, I think kids are going to be curious. And I I know like at at seven, I was asking my parents how lesbians had sex. Mm -hmm. They were lesbians. So I think I was like, I have a right to know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, (laughs) if the kid doesn't, if the kid isn't like actively asking, I feel like maybe that's, if the kid's going to burst into tears by you being like, hey, son, there's something we need to discuss. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have any issues with kids knowing about sex. No, security. of course not. No, like, no. whatever. That's, that's it. It's a part of life. You can't, like... Yeah, I remember I was part of this... Oh, my God. I, was... could, I can edit this out if you need me to. No, it's fine. I was part of this this teen theater troupe called... Oh, wait! It's called Spare Change, and it was through Planned Parenthood, and our motto was, spare us the time to change your mind. And we wrote our own skits, and, like, comedy bits, and musical numbers, and every kind, or like, poetry, and we would travel around to different schools, and we would teach middle schoolers and high schoolers about... Every single kind of thing you can really think of birth control, mental health, healthy relationships, like all that kind of shit. Did Chandler tell you this? What? I was in the exact same group, except it was called Teen Theater, but like it was through Planned Parenthood. And like I was, yeah, we like made, we performed like skits and talked about that. Kind. We were in the exact same thing. 
This makes a lot of sense to me, Aurelia. <laughs> Come on, can we do a bonus episode where we just talk about this? I would love to do that. I would love to do that. There's so much to say. I still use my resource, find them oh, no, like, no to this day. I I um I remember Chandler saying that you were a part of a group like that, and I completely forgot. But like, yeah, we were teen theater and I I still like remember like some of like the songs and skits that we did. I played a pubic hair <laughs> skit called Hair Down There. Yeah. I, I remember playing a condom once or twice. Oh yeah, definitely played some condoms. Um, <laughs> talked a lot about body image. Talked a lot about being gay. Um, racism too. Oh wow, that's amazing. We did not. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that you did uh, well uh, we'll talk about this another time my last okay. question as we as we wrap up I just want to know did that do it for you uh, that did it for me yeah that really did it for me amazing <laughs> well that did it for me hope that did it for you thank you so much for listening that do it for you is hosted and edited by Aurelia Grierson to the best of their ability it is produced by Dante Tapo and Chandler Parrott Thomas Eleanor Hobson is our media and marketing manager our theme song is by Eric Solis and our visual design is by Margaret Chambers that do it for you is a sex positive podcast with naughty words and mentions of characters I do not own you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at that do it for you. Be sure to tell your friends about us, rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and if you're interested in becoming a monthly donor, you can go to patreon.com slash thatdoitforyapod to join our horny little community.